Today's podcast is brought to you by LootCrate.com. Save 10% on any new subscription at TryLootCrate.com slash PictureLock. Enter promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. You're listening to WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Welcome to another episode of the world-famous, award-winning Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, filmmaker, film festival director, film critic, and lover of film and TV. You can find all the back episodes and so much more at PictureLockShow.com. The 2018 DC Black Film Festival call for entries is now open. Filmmakers can submit through Film Freeway. Visit DCBFF.org. For more details. Guys, I've got a fun episode for you today. I, in fact, this is a fire episode. I, I'm just going to call it that. I had a lot of fun talking to my guests. Today I'll talk with director Rebecca Hamowitz of 62 Days. Adele Drover, movie reviewer from the YouTube channel Roll Credit, stops by to talk with me. But first, traffic is in theaters today. The film stars Paula Patton, Omar Epps, Rosalind Sanchez, and Laz Alonzo. I got a chance to speak with Laz about the film, his role, and the importance of having a conversation about human trafficking. And that's all ahead on Picture Lock. You have been nothing but a positive force in my life. She's one. Happy birthday, B. It's your dream come. It's amazing. Let's get away from the city. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's miles away from everything. It's a celebration. I did not know you guys were coming. I'm trying to create a moment. I want to give her something she can remember for the rest of her life. You never cease to amaze me. What are you looking at? You. <laughs> That is a hot ride. Built it myself. Where'd you learn that? The prison auto shop? Sweet ride. Smoking peace in the store. You a ball player? Not looking for any trouble. Trouble? Can't hold a polite conversation. No! Oh my god. Get your give me a minute. Sorry. What are you doing in here? Okay, Let's go. Okay. Now. Okay. Got a big problem. Can't find the phone. People I work for do not accept mistakes. It's crazy. Hey, baby, your phone is ringing. That's not my phone. Hey, that girl. Something in my gut was telling me that she needed help. I think I put my phone in your bag by accident. Let me help you. Just give me the phone. Just give me the phone, okay? We will kill you. Hold on! Listening to Picture Lock, I'm your host Kevin Sampson, and in the new movie Traffic, a couple off for a romantic weekend in the mountains are accosted by a biker gang. Alone in the mountains, Bree and John must defend themselves against the gang who will stop at nothing to protect their secrets. I have one of the film stars on the line with me, Laz Alonzo. Laz, welcome to Picture Lock. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well, man. I'm really excited to talk to you about this film. Uh, if you could, the first question I always start out with is when did you first fall in love with film? So I, I would say um, I grew up uh, as an only child in D.C. Um, and movies were my escape, man. I mean, I grew up uh, in a different D.C. than what we have now. Um, at that time, they called it the murder capital of the United States of America, right. <laughs> affectionately speaking. Um, and, you know, 
uh, it was safer to be in the house than to be out in the streets. You know, so mm. when I was in the house, um, I watched a lot of movies, uh, and, and that was my escape. You know, I was a lot kid, single parent home, and, you know, movies kind of became, you know, back then you had blockbuster video and and stuff like that. So that, that kind of became my, my almost like transporting me out, you know, of the neighborhood and the situation that was going on all around us. And it, it, it spoke to me, you know, like the, the way that movies made me feel and the way that they inspired me, um, it, it always became something that, you know, I thought to myself, one day I want to do this and one day I want to make other people feel this way, the way that I feel right now. Wow. All right. So let's talk traffic. It's out in theaters today. Uh, if you could give a summary of the film to the audience. So traffic basically... It follows, you know, um, Paula Patton's character and Omar Epps. They're a couple that's, you know, in love, and they're going on a weekend getaway. Omar's character wants to pack uh, I play his best friend, confidant, and, you know, me and my girl decide, or really my character decides. When you see the movie, you'll understand why. Uh, he decides to become a parent. Of the weekend uninvited. And once we're up there, uh, on the way on the way up, they run into some undesirable, you know, guys, some biker guys that you know have 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 a secret that ends up now being at risk of being exposed. And when we're up there in this cabin, we realize that everybody has secrets, and everybody's secrets become exposed. And how do we handle it? And a whole bunch of stuff starts going down. And it becomes one of those, how do we get out of this situation now? You know, what matters the most? When everything hits the fan, what matters the most? And how do we, you know, get out of here? And it's, it's, it's one of those, like, you know, dope-ass, get-out type of movies that you think you can predict what's going to happen, and then all of a sudden it takes a turn and gives you something else. And just when you think you know where the movie's going, boom, you get shocked and you're yelling at the screen and it becomes something else. So that, that's what I loved about the movie is that it, it takes you on so many turns and twists that you, you can't really predict what's going to happen next. Yeah, you know, um, I think that's one of the things that I thought about the film is, you know, it's a fun popcorn thriller, survive the night thriller. And that's the thing, man, like, um, I really enjoyed yelling at the screen. Like, um, yes. you, you know, those, the, the, it's like one of those films where you like, I, I was talking, my wife and I, we watched it together. And I, I was like, babe, if we're in this situation, you better make sure he's dead. Like, you got to, you know, you, you go through all that. Like, you make sure you shoot him in the head. Don't just, like, hit him in the leg or, you know, all that kind of right. stuff. So it's really exciting. Right, right. Let's get into, well, uh, I mean, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I think the things that the filmmaker did that I love was that, you know, I love to get lost in the film. When I watch a movie, I like to feel like I'm in it. Right. And Deion Taylor did a great job at making you feel like you are one of the characters in the film. Like, you go on this journey with them, and you're fighting for your life. Most definitely. So let's get into a quick clip um, where you're trying to ne negotiate with one of the biker gang members. Cool. My other two friends, they're about a mile down the road. They're gone. It's just me here. Please. 
Let me get my girl. She's not part of this whole thing, man. I need my girl back. Now, I got your phone, but I need my girl. The phone's been unlocked. That... Yeah, listen, I sent the girl to get the phone. See if you've been looking into my business. All right, man. So if you could, like, uh, just talk a little bit about that that scene, because that's really a pivotal moment, I think, um, if you can. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's hard to talk about it without giving too much away. Right. But um, basically, in that scene, you know, I'm, my character has a superpower. You know, everybody in this film has a superpower. And if I had to describe my character's, you know, superpower, I'd say it's his mouth. You know, or at least he believes it's his mouth. It's his gift of gab. He can talk his way in and out of anything. And for the most part, in his life, it has, it has served him well. And in this situation, he realizes now that the stakes are the highest they've ever been. And this is a negotiation of his life, literally, him and his girl's life. And, you know, he, he has to win this negotiation. Otherwise, you know, it's lights out. <laughs> you know, so that that tense moment, man, we actually shot that scene. Uh, I was shooting Detroit at the time. Um, and so we had to get that scene done uh, before daylight because I was about to go shoot, the, uh, jump on a plane directly from set uh, and go finish Captain Bigelow's movie. And um, we had to shoot that entire sequence in an hour. And that scene, the way that we had to shoot it, we're literally uh, facing uh, west because behind us, the sun was already coming up. Mm. You know, so the way that Dion kind of like did the whole film noir thing, he wasn't utilizing any lights. You know, at a certain point in the movie, I don't know if you noticed, the movie got really, really dark visually. Yeah. And so what he wanted to do was turn, you know, really capture that the essence of that film noir you know darkness where now you feel you know the film based on its visual change where you go from all these light beautiful you know lake tahoe scenery to now you're in darkness and the only light that you have is coming from like headlights and cars and um you know uh lamps or the moonlight and things like that and so, and people we were literally shooting nights all week long, and there we were battling daylight. We had to get it, and we got that scene in an hour. So that was like speed acting one on one. Right. It's Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with Laz Alonzo. He stars in Traffic, the new thriller that's out in theaters today. All right, Laz. So Traffic is an independent film. Can you talk a little bit about why this film was important to you to be a part of after doing so many big studio films and TV shows? Yeah, man. I mean, um, if you look at, you know, the Oscars, you know, the Golden Globes, uh, the award shows, it's not an accident that the pick, the movies that are winning are really speaking to audiences are independent films. 
And I grew up on independent film. I mean, back in the day, you know, those were the movies that everyone loved. You know, were the movies that were these smaller budget, you know, either thrillers or dramas or even comedies, but they told the story through a character. They were acting-driven. They were character-driven stories. You know, then comes the era of the big-budget studio blockbuster movie, you know, where it's huge, and what's telling the story is more of the, the mag- magnificence of what we're seeing on the screen. Mm-hmm. I think we're kind of taking a step back, you know, with Amazon and Netflix and Hulu and this new era of, you know, television where we're seeing character-driven stories again, where people are into character, you know, where people follow the characters and they really want to be invested in a particular character and, and identify with the people that they see on, on screen, you know, and independent film is leading the charge uh, theatrically. You know, as far as when it comes to going to the movies, it's independent film where you're going to find stories that make a difference, stories that tell a story. Right. And I wanted to do that. After being on a TV show, I was on this uh, cop show on NBC called Mysteries of Laura. You know, and after being on a TV show uh, for, you know, a few years, I was like, okay, now that I have this opportunity, I'm not just going to jump on the next big studio film. I want to really take my time and tell stories that matter, tell stories that like touch people's hearts and move them and either talk about something real that happened in history or something that, you know, that I truly, that moves me. When I, I read, you know, Detroit, fell in love with that story, read this, fell in love with this story, and, uh, and here I am. So kind of jumping and piggybacking off of that, human trafficking is a real problem that's right here in the United States. So how do you think that this film adds to the conversation about it? Well, um, the thing is, is that what people don't realize is that human trafficking is happening right in front of our faces. We're just not aware of it. Mm. And that's the scariest part about this whole topic is that, um, you know, we live in this state of elevated sense of security and safety that does not exist. We think that we're safe, but we might be driving next to a tractor trailer that we're assuming that it's uh, furniture being delivered or, you know, a moving truck. Mm-hmm. And little do we know it's actually filled with people. You know, and that's, that's what's going on right now. That's, that's you know how they're trafficking people now. It's a humongous industry. It rivals the drug industry. Um, You know, the thing about drugs is that uh, drugs are consumed. You know, once you utilize, you know, a drug, that's it. You got to create more. But with human trafficking, people are reused over and over and over and over again, hundreds, thousands of times. And that's why these people that, are in this industry, you know, why it's so profitable? It's, it's, it's billions of dollars worth of transactions that are taking place in this human trafficking industry. And it's happening here. 62% of the women that are being trafficked are women of color, you know, but it's happening everywhere. You know, it's happening online. It's happening on social media, your kids, you know, get a new friend on Instagram and they invite them to the mall and, it could be an adult pretending to be a kid. Right. You know, when I was doing research for the movie, 
you know, that, that was the, the, the new trend. And we did this movie about a year and a half ago, but that was the trend that was going on at the time was adults posing as kids. And, you know, there are some adults that look like kids. Mm-hmm. You know? They just look younger, younger than their age. And they'll invite kids to the mall. The kids will go to the mall unsuspecting that that's the last time that, you know, they'll ever see their family again. And next thing you know, they're, they're in this ring. You know, when a kid goes missing, it's not that they ran away. You know, usually, it's not that, oh, they're just missing, like they're lost and they can't find their way home. You know, it's that they've been abducted and placed in one of these, you know, trafficking rings. Yeah. And so it's, it's a problem that, you know, it's, it's happening and has not been discussed. You know, we're, we're, we talk about gun violence. We talk about uh, drugs, you know, and things like that. But human trafficking is a big, big, big issue. You know, and so that's why in the tagline, you know, in our movie traffic, you know, the tagline is refuse to be a victim, mm-hmm. you know, because you can't control what happens as far as, you know, whether someone was trafficked or not. But this movie tries to encourage, you know, you to get out of that situation, you know, because there are also a lot of situations where, you know, people that are trafficked don't want to speak to anyone because they don't know who's in on it as well. Right. You know, so a lot of victims end up becoming who, who get away end up becoming re-victimized because, you know, they don't, they don't speak to anyone. They, be, they, they're so afraid that the person that they speak to might be part of the ring that they end up not reporting it to the police and so on and so forth, you know? And so it's, it's a huge thing, man. It's, it's really big. Then I had no idea. I always thought of it as something that was happening overseas or, you know, you see a massage parlor that looks a little shady, don't go in there, things like that. Right. But it's actually in our faces a lot more than we than we recognize. Yeah, you're totally right, man. It's super important. Again, it's Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with Laz Alonzo. He stars in Traffic. It's a new thriller that's in theaters today. Laz, um, maybe a little bit more lighthearted. Uh, last question before we wrap out. You guys shot the film in Northern California where you were literally off the grid while shooting, no cell service. If you found yourself in a position like your character, who's the one person that you'd want to have with you and the one item you'd want to have on you? Oh, the one person I'd want to have with me. Um, well, I, I, I used to be afraid of my mom when I was young, so I <laughs> she's old now, so she, she moves too slow. So I can't have my mom with me because then we'd never get out. Um, I would say the one item I'd want is uh, a loaded weapon because a phone ain't going to do nothing if you got no service. And literally we were up there for a month and we had no service, no Wi-Fi, no nothing. So I want a loaded weapon with some extra magazines. <laughs> and man, who would I want with me? I'd say my boy, Mike Cash, you know, who lives in DC. He's been my boy since high school. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, if, I'm in trouble. We're going out black. <laughs> so shout out to Mike Casual in DC. Uh, but if there's anybody I want by my side, fight to the end. That's it. Remember, uh, you remember uh, Dave Chappelle said he took. Uh, what was the brother he took with him to every negotiation? Oh yeah. Oh man, what's his name? Uh, I know what you're talking about, like, though. 
You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. And he tells them if, if, if something's wrong, like, nah, that don't look right. Right, right. That's how I got You got to have that dude. I got you. You got to right. have that dude in your uh, well, again, uh, traffic is in theaters today. Laz, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Hi, my brother. Thank you. Yo, what's going on? It's your man, Anthony Gaskin. And I'm Carl Foreman Jr. We are the co-creators of Frank and Lamar. And you are locked in to Picture Lock. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. And 62 Days is a documentary film about Marlise Munoz, a brain-dead pregnant woman whose family was forced to keep her on life support against her wishes. The film shows the human story behind the headlines and shines a light on a controversial law. I have the director of the film, Rebecca Hamowitz, on the line with me. Rebecca, welcome to Picture Lock. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. I'm really excited to talk about this film with you, but the first question I always start out with is, when did you first fall in love with film? You know, that's such a hard question to answer. I feel like I should have a, a go-to story, <laughs> but I, I honestly think I've always really been in love with film. I've always been a storyteller, I think, my whole life, and I've always um, been someone who likes to share and, you know, and, and tell stories. And I think film from a very early age was just the medium that I was drawn to because to me, you're able to combine sort of the creative artistic instincts with just really emotional and compelling storytelling. So I think that's always been my thing. It wasn't until later that I realized, you know, I don't have to just watch these. I could make some of these. And I, <laughs> I think that's, that was really a turning point for me. <laughs> that is awesome. I love that. Um, so if you could, yeah, let's talk about that turning point. Like, sure. you know, how did you uh, go from, you know, just being an admirer of film to actually breaking into the film industry, picking up the camera yourself? Um, I think it started, it, it started off timidly. Like I'd, I'd write, you know, secretly <laughs> write things or outline things or have ideas. Um, and then for a little while, I was working for a producer just in development, you know, reading scripts and again, thinking like, huh, I really feel like I could do more than just read it. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. It was just my desire to, to, um, to be on the creative end of things. So I ended up, I quit the job. I went to film school and, um, and kind of dove right in from there. And then interestingly, although I, I started as a screenwriter, which is still a big passion of mine and I still, something I still do, um, I think I, even that wasn't immediate up for me. I wanted to pick up a camera and just go. And that's really how I made the move into documentaries. To me, where there was something about um, just being there in the moment, capturing these stories as they unfold, that was very compelling to me. It's Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with a woman that understands the importance of being in the moment and capturing the magic on film, the director of 62 Days, <laughs> Rebecca Hamowitz. Yeah, Rebecca, I, I, I totally can relate to you on uh, the mm. fact that, you know, with documentaries, there's something very special about it because what you're doing is you are documenting um, what's going on, whether it's, you know, a subject matter or your subjects. Um, and 62 Days is obviously, uh, it, it could be looked at as a, a controversial film, but but I think it's more so the controversial topic. So mm. if you could talk a little bit about how did you actually link up with the family to kind of tell their story? 
Um, and then we'll kind of go from there because I think I think that's really important, and I definitely have follow up questions. Sure. Um, well, interestingly, I had first heard about um, Marlise's story in the news, probably like a lot of people did. I saw like a two minute clip. I read an article because at the time that this was happening. Um, there was a lot of media about this, but like many things, you know, it was bit, sort of in our 24 hour news cycle thing, they're a bit sensationalized and it was a one minute, you know, over and done uh, story about what was happening with Marlies at Munoz. And I just felt so drawn to this story. I felt like there's really more to this. This is complicated stuff. And frankly, my what interests me the most in any documentary is not having a simple black and white good guy bad guy here's the thing you know but really these complicated stories that have a lot of facets to them so I felt there was more to tell in what was happening in Texas while this was going on and I re I just looked up the family I'd never done this before I actually found them on Facebook and emailed them and you know there was it wasn't an immediate thing I mean this family was going through an unimaginably difficult time. So my email to them was just, you know, I know that this is happening and you're talking to some people. And if you want to share your story in a larger way, I'd love to speak with you. But, you know, if you don't, I'll respect to you. And we started with multiple conversations, phone conversations. Um, and that evolved eventually, obviously, to me. Um, filming their story and then also filming other people involved. You know, the family is primarily, it's, it's their story, but we wanted to talk to people on all sides of this issue and, uh, and really cast a wide net so that the film could present multiple sides. You know, um, as I, I hear you talking, you know, it's, it's what you said in the beginning was that you kind of enjoy uh, exploring the gray areas of life, right? So this is like that that kind of, um, you know, moral questions um, about, you know, what do we think is right, what's wrong? There's different people on different sides of the the, the fence. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm always fascinated how documentary filmmakers, um, you know, you have to gain the trust of your subjects. And and obviously, you know, hats off to you for, um, you know, sending a message via Facebook. And that's really inspiring, I'm sure, to some of the listeners. Um, but could you talk a little bit about um, wanting to tell their story with integrity? Because I, I think I think this is like a very difficult time in their lives. But mm -hmm. I do like film or documentary films like Citizen Four that kind of like mm -hmm. come out after the fact and they say, you know what, this is the story you heard on the news this is mm -hmm. what was happening at the time sure yeah um i can definitely talk about that i realize i should back up and just quickly say exactly what the film's about in case any of your listeners don't know yet um that the film tells the story of marlies muñoz who was a 33 year old texas woman who sadly was declared brain dead when she was 14 weeks pregnant with her second child uh, which was a fluke she had a pulmonary embolism and um, she had told her she was a paramedic and she, she and her husband both. And they had discussed on the off chance that either of them were ever on life support, what would they want? And they had been clear, never want to be on life support under any circumstances. Her pregnancy was so early. They thought there was no way that this could be a viable pregnancy. So um they asked to be for her to be removed from life support, but there was a little known law that said pregnant women must remain on mechanical support 
regardless of their whether they have a do not resuscitate or advanced directive or anything. Um, so the film follows their family's experience from, you know, realizing that they have no voice in this to all the media attention on all sides. And then finally to activism, they're trying to change the law. That's what the film's about. Um, in terms of how I approached it, you know, or, or trying to find that gray area, as you mentioned. And um, for me, it started off with, with getting to know this family, the people at the heart of it. I mean, one of the things that got really controversial, which I'm sure we'll talk about more, is how the what happened to Marlies was really taken as um, – it turned into an abortion debate, essentially. It turned into this debate about whether law should be protecting fetal life or respecting women's choices. And to this family, they were just kind of shocked to find themselves in the middle of that debate um, because Marlies Munoz didn't have an abortion. She died, tragically. Um, so the fact that this family was just struggling to follow their loved one's wishes and they got pulled into this really polarizing, really controversial debate. Um, I thought there was something very valuable there that we should be looking at. Um, how these laws that we think are about one thing can often end up being about something else and how all the people involved have their own motivations for getting involved, <laughs> except for this family who had no choice. This is where they found themselves. Um, right. That was really what what drew me to it. Yeah, and I, I think that's what draws me to want to see the film. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure that the audience, um, folks that are listening, would want to see the film as well. If you could, um, you know, how can people follow the film, see the film, or follow you on social media? Um, great. Well, you can do all those things, <laughs> <laughs> and please do. Um, no, you can find the film on Facebook. Just look up 62 Days Movie. We have www.62daysmovie.com. We're on Twitter as well, at 62 Days Movie. Um, but I'm thrilled that we are, you know, we've been at festivals um, across the country, but I'm thrilled that we are going to be, uh, have our public broadcast premiere through a program, a documentary series called Real South. It's R-E-E-L. Um, and it's going to be airing on PBS across the country through Real South. It's a great program. I'm so happy to be part of it. So that's going to happen in April. And we'll give an opportunity for people all across the country to see this movie and to let us know what you think. I, I'm sure that the audience will love to check it out and let them let you know what they think about the film. Uh, once again, I've been talking with the director of 62 Days, Rebecca Hamowitz, and unfortunately, due to time constraints, uh, we got to cut this short. But you have got to come back on. We got to finish talking. About so, so, oh, so, what you. I'm going to commit to do is I'm going to I'm going to watch the film and then we're going to discuss the film after. Please do because I love. You know, I'd love to talk more specifically with you about it. I love answering questions, so I'd be happy, really happy to do that. Awesome. Well, Rebecca, thanks so much for coming on Picture Lock. All right. Thank you. Let's take a quick break for promos. Stay tuned. 
Thanks so much for listening to Picture Lock Podcast, guys. I'm always trying to find great deals on cool things that I can offer you, as you know. And with Picture Lock, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Well, what is Loot Crate, you ask? Loot Crate is a monthly mystery crate for geeks, gamers, and fans of pop culture delivering cool and often exclusive items like collectibles, t-shirts, home goods, and more directly to your door every month. What makes Loot Crate so awesome to me is instead of getting my new graphic tees from the store each month, for the same price or less, I can get cool apparel from my favorite TV shows, movies, games, and more. And if you got a little more to shell out, you can get even bigger and better items. No matter what you pay per month, the value of the crate is usually more, so it's a win-win. You're going to search through the rack or shelves anyway. Let Loot Crate do it for you and throw a little curveball in there for you. To save 10% on any new subscription, go to trylootcrate.com slash picture lock. Again, that's trylootcrate.com slash picture lock to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. I'm Nick. And I'm Justin. We are the Epic Film Guys, and we'd like just a moment of your time to talk about an extremely important event coming up this May. Last year, we hosted the live stream for The Cure, a 12-hour live stream fundraiser where we raised $2,500 for the Cancer Research Institute. 86 cents out of every dollar raised goes to research toward finding a cure. And this year, we're aiming to smash that goal, and we need your help to do it. Join us from May 18th through the 20th for 30 hours of amazing live stream content from us and a whole host of amazing podcasters who will be joining us to try to reach $5,000. For more information, please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com. Together, we can make a difference. What's up, guys? Thank you so much for listening to and supporting Picture Lock. I absolutely love film, as you know, and have given my life to studying the medium. As a filmmaker, I understand what it takes to make a film from its inception to the big screen. As a critic, I've been able to see the business of film from the marketing side of things. And as a film festival director, I've been able to see the distribution side, but more importantly, the enormous amount of talented filmmakers out there creating and crafting stories from their heart. And that's why I've started Picture Lock PR. If you're a filmmaker or producer looking to engage audiences and create relevance around your latest or upcoming project, head over to PictureLockPR.com. We can help you with your film's publicity from pre to post-production. Get more information and see the clients we've helped in the past at PictureLockPR.com. PictureLock PR. Finally, a partner as passionate as you. Listening to Picture Lock, I'm your host Kevin Sampson, and the roll credits mission is to handpick a selection of the latest movie and TV reviews, movie discussions, and industry-related content for you to enjoy. 
hosted by self-confessed Sydney lover Adele. You can catch her online on most social media, but mainly on her YouTube channel, Roll Credits. Adele Drover, welcome to Picture Lock. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to talk with you. We'll get into, you know, when I first started following you and all that kind of stuff. But the first question I always start with is, when did you first fall in love with film? Oh, the best question. This is my favorite question because I think that this just gets a great insight into any person. And I love it when people ask me this question because I get excited just talking about my answer. And for me... (laughs) The movie that made me fall in love with movies was age 12, the most impressionable age. I walked into a screening of The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, and was changed, like fully changed. I'd never seen anything so magical and eye-opening. It just made me fall in love with movie making. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Um, man, so at the age of 12, the movie wasn't like too long for you. It was like, you were just lost in it. I was lost in it. I've never (laughs) seen anything like it. Well, I think also it was the most grown up film maybe that I'd seen. I don't think I really went to the cinema that often as a kid. Um, and I, I just think it really was at that time where, I went with my family and my dad was such a Lord of the Rings fan when he was a kid and he had talked so much about it with me and I just loved how I, I can't even I can't even begin. I loved it all. <laughs> no, no, no. It makes sense and as you speak about like going with your family and I think there's something to be said about that in terms of our communal experience, right? But especially like when you mm-hmm. go with the people that you love and you experience that. So, um, you know, I get it. You're so giddy about it that, you know, you can't, you can't, you you don't have words. It makes sense. I got it. <laughs> All right. Adele. I don't. I don't. <laughs> so if you could, like, let's get a little history lesson. How did you actually, um, you know, kind of get into the industry? And, and in this interview, you know, we're approaching it from you as like a movie reviewer and YouTuber. Um, But if you could give us like your history lesson of after Lord of the Rings, like what happened to that little girl that like grew up to become this movie reviewer? (laughs) Uh, That's a great way of putting it. I like that. Um, Okay, so I always loved movies, but I didn't know how to make anything of it, make a career of it. Um, And so, you know, went off. I my first a high school job was at a video store and that definitely helped solidify my love of movies. Um, a big thing that now looking back, you know, with perspective of, you know, 15 years ago, but at the time I didn't realize that I was recommending customers movies to watch every day. They'd come into the video store. They'd tell me what, what's the latest out? What should I watch? And I would love telling them and chatting with them. And then they'd come back the next week and they'd bring back the video and they'd tell me they loved it. And that was just everything to me. And looking back at it now, I can see that's where it all began. But of course, as a 15 year old, I didn't realize that it would turn into this. Uh, (laughs) After the video store, I went on to university. I majored in film and TV, wrote a lot of papers and dissertations, and then decided I wanted to make my own movies. So then I went to film school 
to be a writer and director, but just didn't quite find my groove there. Um, and so decided I wanted to work in production. So in the back end of producing uh, movies. And currently I work uh, for a production company and we produce, mainly we, we produce commercials uh, and that kind of thing. And yeah, I love it. I just love working in that space that is between the concept of a content and the creation of the content and everything that goes in between the idea uh, to the conception and then, then the completion. And then suddenly you're watching uh, something that you've helped produce on TV. It's pretty cool. It's Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, and I'm talking with the woman who's got a similar story to Quentin Tarantino. Started from the video rental shop, now she's here. <laughs> <laughs> it's Adele Drover of Roll Credits. Uh, you know, that's that's amazing. I love that story. Um, the fact that you actually worked in a, a video rental shop. What what mm -hmm. happened to those? Was you it know, Blockbuster? Uh, it was an, a competitor, an Australian direct competitor to Blockbuster. It was called Video Easy. That's E-Z-Y, <laughs> Video Easy. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I found my Blockbuster card um, not too long ago. And, you know, it's just one of those things oh. that you got to, like, put in a frame now because. Oh, don't you? Oh, wow. Yes. All right. So, um, all right, Adele. So if we could, like, let's get into roll credits. Um, when did you start it and why? So, like I said, I work in the production side of the film industry, but always I love talking about movies. I love watching movies, and that's just my favorite thing. After the movie's over uh, and the credits have rolled, I love um, walking out of the cinema and talking with for an hour, going for a coffee with my friend, whoever I saw the movie with, and just dissecting it all. So that always was kind of with me. Um, at the time, uh, I was living in a, a different city and I didn't have many friends, but I was seeing a lot of movies. So the whole roll credits thing really started when I was looking for an outlet and I was looking for other people to talk about the movies that I was watching. And some of the movies were quite female centric and, um, you know, with female lead characters and a little bit art house. And honestly, four years ago, I was searching online the movie I can remember it was very specific. It was uh, *Nymphomaniac*, which is, you know, an art house, quite intense female character, and I just couldn't really see any females talking about this movie and really dissecting it. And that's when I thought that maybe I could talk about it. Maybe I could add my voice to the space, and people similar to me would fit in, in what I was saying about it. And that's really how it all started. Wow. So this is my this is my story in terms of how I came up, up across roll credits, right? So I'm mm -hmm. I'm more for, for YouTubers like Chris Duckman is like my go-to dude only because like I feel like he's about as calm as me when when it comes no shade I didn't mean any shade by that but like he's just calm yeah. in his delivery and like he he's yeah. like the same kind of film nerd grade that I am. So one day mm -hmm. Chris just recommends all these other different movie. YouTubers and I promise you I don't remember anybody else because I I guess I kind of looked at everybody but like I followed yours because like again it was kind of like I gravitated to oh yeah I kind of get her style she's not yelling at me like <laughs> it was it was good so yeah. that was my story um and how I kind of uh, came across you um but oh I mean since gosh. then it's been fun to like 
watch, you know, you're growing and doing red carpets and all this kind of stuff. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, Kevin, that's actually so cool that that's the story because Chris Stuckman shouting me out on his channel and, you know, talking about my channel being another great uh, resource for movie lovers was the most flattering thing ever. And really, <laughs> and it really, honestly, it, it, it validated everything that I was doing up until that point. I was like, oh my gosh, here's this really big um, movie reviewer online who's saying that what I'm doing is great. Um, maybe what I'm doing is great. I should keep doing it. <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. Was... sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was just going to say it was the most inspiring thing to continue uh, the journey on YouTube for sure. You know, it's, that's pretty awesome because, um, you know, I'm a big Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee fan. And uh, I think <laughs> on the Margaret Cho episode, it was talking, she was talking about how, like, um, I think she had done, like, some kind of uh, open night, night or something. And uh, Seinfeld was there. And, like, afterwards, mm -hmm. he just told her, like, something along the lines of maybe, like, I think you, you got what it takes or whatever. And she was just yeah. like that what? just meant yeah like that meant everything yeah. it kind of like validated it and sometimes like you you need that like you I'm sure you knew that like you had something special but like at the same time it's like that oh snap that's a yeah nice cosign ex <laughs> exactly right well I was kind of growing a, a small following you know every day maybe I'd have one maybe two people subscribe to the channel and that was enough to let me know that okay i'm doing something right if i'm growing by one or two a day uh and then yeah when chris stuckman yeah shouted me out that was like all i needed to be like okay i'm gonna run with this and and get serious about it because i love it and clearly that's translating in some way and and people are coming to the channel and, and enjoying it too so that's that's all i need i'm <laughs> off <laughs> nice it's picture lock i'm your host kevin sampson i'm talking with adele drover uh she helms roll credits over on youtube you definitely want to go check her out and subscribe um so adele enough about chris let's get back to you <laughs> Um, <laughs> in terms okay. of like y what you do and what you have to offer, you know, you have uh, movie reviews, um, but then you also dig into um, specific TV shows and things like that. So if you could, for the audience, just let them know like what they can expect to find at your channel. So I do specialize in the latest reviews. Uh, I do look at the big blockbuster movies, but my passion really lies in those small uh, indie films, the ones that are hard to find, that are spread by word of mouth that, yes, you might not have heard of. So I love digging those out, sharing them around and having people come to me and tell me that they've seen them and they never would have heard of it if not for me or if they hadn't heard me talking about it. And uh, so you can definitely find the bigger movies I talk about, um, like the Black Panthers, like the big Marvel releases and that kind of thing. But I'll definitely speak about those smaller indie movies. Uh, and I also have a series called Foreign Film Friday, which the first Friday of every month, um, I'll review a new release foreign language film. And I really enjoy that and have built a really great uh, community of people who love foreign films um, so you can definitely find that kind of thing as well as as long with the uh, top five countdown lists um, I do also look at TV reviews uh, series new series what's going on on Netflix and that kind of thing yeah that's pretty awesome so one of the things that um, we talked about uh, previously is kind of like 
in terms of um, being a YouTube personality and um, building an audience, uh, could you talk a little bit about what it's like to kind of be out there, like, right? So it's not like it's somebody else and like you're reading from a script, it's like you. Um, yeah. and, but then also the audience engagement that you have. Yeah, so you're right, there's there's nobody else, it's you, it's your face, you're writing everything, producing everything, and it's your face uh, putting it to putting it out there online. And that can be really uh, intimidating, not having any second opinion before you blast out your personal opinions to the, the internet <laughs> to be critiqued and sort of uh, picked apart. Right. Uh, especially as a as a film critic say you know if you don't like a movie you better have good reasons to why you don't like it because i guarantee someone else loved it um <laughs> that's kind of interesting too because I, I i love that about movie that movies that you can both walk into the exact same movie and take completely different things away from it um i like that discussion um and in terms of developing your voice? Is that what you were sort of saying? Um, no, you know, I think more so specifically from like audience engagement. So like, do, mm -hmm. you, do you respond to every single comment that, you know, people make on your videos? <laughs> I would think not because you'd probably be there forever. Um, but like, how do you approach audience engagement and, it, you know, just talking back and forth and keeping that going? Mm, I probably, I definitely have a fits and spurts. Like I'll definitely have times where I might have a dedicated couple of hours and sit down and just respond to as many comments as I possibly can. I'll just sort them by recent and I'll just go through and I'll, and I'll respond in depth. Um, but honestly, YouTube makes it so easy these days. You can have the creator studio app on your phone and you can get comments real time and you can just respond as quickly as you would a tweet. So it does make responding to the audience really easy. And I love that because you can really build a back and forth discourse. Um, and I've had plenty of people who have disagreed with my, my review of a movie and I've responded uh, logically. Sometimes it's hard to, to respond logically when you're defending a movie that, that you love or, or, or something <laughs> like that. But, you know, I try and, you know, think about the points and, and the whys and, and pick it apart and, and just having that back and forth with somebody who might have started as a really critical of your review and disagreed and then through back and forth and, and the conversation, they might come around and you might both take something away from the other's point of view. It's fun. Yeah, I bet. Um, and so, you know, kind of wrapping up here, I think one question I wanted to ask you is, uh, you know, in the journey uh, of the past four years of doing this, like what's been uh, maybe one of the most difficult things in doing this? And, and I'm sure it probably is actually like keeping it going consistently, I would think. But, <laughs> and then like what's, one, what's like, you know, um, one of your proudest moments or a thing you've enjoyed the most? Okay, one of the difficult things is definitely, like you said, keeping it going while you have a life outside of it. So, you know, it's role credits is still my passion, but it's still my hobby. So I do have a nine to five job in production um, and I do have a life. I do have friends and a social life. So I do. <laughs> it is hard to find that consistency, consistency and try and upload weekly. I do try and get one video up per week. It doesn't always happen, but I do try my very best. Uh, and also I want to, it's something that I want to do because it's something I, I love doing. Um, so consistency is very much a 
a constant battle when you're working for yourself on a hobby. Um, but the second thing that you asked about a proudest moment would be, I think you mentioned it earlier, but I've been doing more film reporting and more uh, like film journalism type of things in front of the camera uh, and out on red carpets and at film premiere events. And the proudest moment was probably interviewing Tom Cruise was definitely a highlight. He came to Australia for the premiere of The Mummy. Um, the Mummy, we don't really talk about the movie, but interviewing Tom Cruise <laughs> was really awesome. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about that, but yeah, I'm sure it was. Um, you know, one of the things that I do enjoy about like most of your thumbnails, you're always smiling. Um, always seems like you're just having a good time and the love that you have for film definitely comes through. Um, so just kind of closing out here, if you could let the audience know, how can they find you, follow you on social media, etc. Definitely. Well, I'd love if you could come and check me out on YouTube. It's just youtube.com slash roll credits. You can find me there. Um, also, I'm on Twitter. I'm big on Instagram. Instagram does Insta stories now. So I'm constantly on there doing live little bits and pieces from bits in the day. So you can find me on Instagram or on my website. It's www.rollcredits.net. Awesome. Adele Drover. Appreciate you coming on Picture Lock. It was so good to talk with you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. As you can tell, I just love talking about movies. So thanks for having me. It's been fun. That's all for this episode. I'd like to thank my guests, Laz Alonzo, Rebecca Hamowitz, and Adele Drover for coming on the show. Be sure to catch up on the back episodes and subscribe in iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Blueberry, wherever you catch your podcast. If you're a fan of Alexa skills, just say, Alexa, play Picture Lock on TuneIn, and I'll come right up. Feel free to leave a five-star review for the show as well. I really appreciate that. You can find Picture Lock on most social media. All social media is at Picture Lock Show. Watch back episodes of the TV show at YouTube.com slash Picture Lock Show. And subscribe to get some incredible value and see interviews with filmmakers and the like. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can fill out the form on the website. Did this episode resonate with you? What's your favorite Picture Lock episode so far this year? Did you see traffic and yell at the screen like I did? <laughs> These are the questions I need answers to. Send me an email at picturelockshow at gmail.com and let me know. All music is done by Mike S. The Prophet 13. Thanks, bro. I'm Kevin Sampson, and until next time, I hope you stay locked on film.